Hello, this is Coffee Day once again. Well, after a five-part novella, I'm bringing you something very short as a kind of a aftertaste to what was a long consideration of the world's overpopulation. The next story to come will be a pure comedy. And I hope you enjoy that. And I certainly hope you enjoy this short story called Pastime Bar. Just to look at it, you could tell it was there a long time. Not that it was untidy or dowdy, but the place had the patina of an old bronze statue. That's not to say it was green exactly. Or pigeons were forever sitting on it. But the place said, I seen him come and I seen him go. Felix, the owner, was never absent. Always sitting in the third booth from the back with a good view of the entrance and the bar stools. The crowd rarely became rowdy. And despite the perfunctory TV in the background, soundless, but with closed caption forever pointing out the obvious, safe, out, goal, three-pointer, the general mass of regulars paid it little heed. Felix inherited the place from Pappy when Pappy was nearing his 74th birthday and his chronic cough turned bloody. Out of respect, they closed the joint for an afternoon to plant the old man and Felix as regular as a regular could be, and yet keep a job, found he had an inheritance. He dumped the welding gig and settled into the owner's seat, worn smooth by Pappy's posterior, and began reshaping the leather to his own Batakian peculiarities. Of course, Pappy showed him the machine and explained its workings long since. As was his custom, he offered Felix a free ride, as he did all his favorite clients. Felix took the ride once, like all the others, and settled into the habit of returning and accepted his fate like all the rest. As owner, he carried on the tradition and told the story as it first was told to him by Pappy, and as he heard it dozens of times thereafter. The professor, Lord help us, that was the moniker the old man went by, was a loon and a lush, but such a lovable one that Pappy let his tab grow for the fun of the man's conversation and learning. At last it reached three figures, and in the thirties that was a considerable sum. Pappy hated to do it, but he began to press the old bar fly to make some sort of dent in the list of charges scrawled in a grade school notebook behind the bar next to the Louisville slugger. The professor said he would make good his debt of honor, and returned the next day with the first of a series of crates which he wheeled into the back room where a retired pool table rested. He then asked for some privacy, picked up a tool kit, 
and retired to the back room for a period of three days. He did not take a single drink, but did partake of two boiled eggs and a pickled pig's foot from the free lunch. At last, on the evening of the third day, the professor rested, vowing to demonstrate to all who wished his greatest and most frustrating invention. As the patrons gathered around the device, the learned man began to speak in terms which soon had his simple auditors goggling and scratching their heads. Something about four dimensions, not three, and how time was the element they moved through just as they passed through the air. But the time they had and the fate they possessed, both individually or as a group, was immutable, or the world would end. End of the world! Get a sign! shouted Billy Stevenson, but he was pretty drunk and was shushed by the rest. If people could travel back in time, they could only travel as themselves and in the time they lived. If they tried to change the world for the better, and then the professor turned away and was silent for a time. But you'll see if you want to try it. So here's the deal, Pappy. I give you the past time machine, and if it works like I say, you can have the damn thing and you erase my bar tab. How about that? You mean, asked Pappy, that I get a time machine that'll send people back in their own past to relive parts of their lives and it's safe? I'm not going to get sued by some shyster, right? Well, said the professor, I've used it myself a dozen times at least. At first, purely in the interest of science, but then for personal enjoyment. After a while, it wasn't that interesting to go back to the day of my first coitus. It kind of palled, especially as I couldn't vary the moves and it was all over rather quickly. Happens to the best of us, said Freaky Carl, whose experience with the fair sex was limited to whores who could tolerate his smell. But it's the other thing that, well, you'll have to see for yourself. If you want me to, I'll take a ride first and show you it's safe. Let me choose a nice neutral day. Let's say last week during the Giants game, when Mel Ott was walked twice intentionally. I'll look around and come back and tell each of you what you were drinking. The professor mounted the bicycle seat and fiddling with some dials on the handle, pulled a lever and was gone in a flash. A moment later, he was back and recited the liquid choices of several of the boys present. That's good enough for me, said Pappy. Set me up for my wedding day at 5.30 p.m. And he gave the particulars of date, month, and year. Some of the older regulars remembered Pappy's frau, long since gone to a region of the beyond reserved for the sisters of Xantippe. Pappy left quite suddenly, only to return a moment later with a decidedly morose expression. Dismounting, he pushed through the crowd, walked behind the bar, and quite unlike his usual early evening custom, poured himself a hefty shot of J.J. and downed it neat and without a grimace. Then a subtle look 
passed over Pappy's usually innocent mug. And turning to the crowd and the professor, he said, That's quite an invention. I'll take it off your hands. And with that, he pulled the notebook from behind the bar and, to the wonderment of all, ripped the professor's tab from the book and tore it into confetti. I heard all this on a number of occasions. That's when I wasn't a regular here, just a Johnny who occasionally popped in for a brew on a hot day because the place had a well-working air-conditioning system and the bar choices were to my liking, as was the price. It was okay, but not a patch on some of the other places this side of town, and if you were in the mood for female companionship, there were far better choices for some action down on Maple and Grove. I heard the story first from a morose short-hole truck driver, whose sad tale was missing the opportunity to uh, date a now well-known anchor woman on the local news. In those days before her appearance on the little screen, she apparently had a rep for being what used to be called easy. <clears throat> apparently he had ixnayed the eighth day and instead went to a playoff game where the home team was essentially handed their head. The opportunity for a hookup never recurred and he gnashed his teeth over the missed opportunity. Apparently, he was offered a time ride gratis by Felix a few months before, and the playoff disaster score and date being chiseled in his heart, he was able to give the coordinates to Felix. He told me what happened. My next informant had a violent quarrel with a sibling. When his brother developed an aggressive malignancy, my bar companion had not been able to find the nerve to go to the hospital room and reconcile. He recalled standing in the corridor paralyzed with indecision for hours, and as he was about to enter the room, a code blue was called and his brother was gone. That day and time was burned in his memory, and he requested a free trip back into the past and told me about it in detail. Indeed, everyone at the bar had a story to tell, and though some could only relate half of it at times, they all were of the same theme. They arced back into the past to the time they could have changed, and the immutability of that past did not allow them to do so. Inside their heads they screamed to the body they inhabited and the mouth they spoke with to do or say something different but that produced no alteration in prior word or deed. They were a bar full of ghost men, dead in their own way because of the choices they made that led them here to that place and that accursed machine. They should have been able to flee it, and yet day after day they returned knowing that in the back room there was a chance to go back into the past and perhaps, just perhaps, if they tried really hard, they might alter what they had wrought. I can see them first looking into their drink, then the mirror behind the bar, and then just a flicker of gaze 
to the door behind which was their hope and ultimate disappointment. I know that whatever the temptation, I will not enter that room, even if the ride is free, because I know that it is not. When I asked Felix why he kept the accursed thing, he looked at me with surprise, and gesturing toward the sad, sad men, said, It's good for business. Pastime Bar Next story is called Only Small Actors. It's pretty much as pure a comedy as will be presented in this space. I hope you will join me for that. In the meantime, this is Coffee Dave, K-A-W-F-E-E-D-A-V-E. You can reach me at coffeedave.com. That's at Yahoo. Until next time, goodbye.